Hello and welcome to Canqueer, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. Now, we missed you last week. We we You were with us the week before, but the yes. week before that, I turned you into a robot. So yes. it's it's been a spotty run here, Sebastian. Uh, how, are, <laughs> how are you doing? Well, last week, as you know, I had the lurgy. Um, and uh, take any, any lurgy-like disease, cold, flu, allergies, probably you got, COVID. You I'm got the sure. man flu, didn't you? You got the no, man no, flu. No, 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 not quite. Not quite. You used to be my roommate. You know how I get. Okay. So take the flu, for example. What are the possible lists? You know, uh, scratchy throat, coughing, fever, chills, runny nose, sneezing. Okay. Replace every symptom in that list except for runny nose and sneezing with more runny nose and more sneezing. So just the runny nose and sneezing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you've lived, you've heard me sneeze mm. for two minutes straight before. Once you had to catch me. I almost passed out. I couldn't breathe. I was sneezing so much. Well, no, you didn't. You you watched me and you're like, do I have to catch you? But yeah, <laughs> there was a time where I was just like, achoo, 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 for like two minutes straight. And yeah, no, I get really bad. And it's just, it doesn't matter what it is. If, if anything has sneezing in there, but I mean, I never get the flu. You know, I don't get... Uh, well, if you injected. do, you do a very good job of uh, spreading it. <laughs> I, I, I don't... Sneezing. Yeah, I don't get the, the sweats or the chills. I don't get any of that. It's just so much sneezing that I cannot breathe. Yeah, it gets real bad. But yeah, I'm much better now. Well, I have an update. Um, I made the ridiculous uh, satirical comment that... All of the Hemsworths were Australian. Mm-hmm. Now, in the run-up to uh, to uh, World Pride at the Mardi Gras in Sydney, mm-hmm. uh, in the run-up to that, I talked. We were talking about Sydney Pride and the world. I think it was actually Pride Shark. If you don't know what Pride Shark is, you should definitely Google it. It is it is very safe search on. Like it mm-hmm. is a very family friendly. Pride shark. Now yes. I'm just trying to find this. And I love that it's not a metaphor. It is a giant plaster, realistic looking shark. Yeah. With like a rainbow sweater, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can't find the email, but one of uh one of our listeners emailed me in and uh pointed out that there were in fact many Canadian Hemsworths, uh or Hems of the World, Hems Hemsworths. Uh-huh. Uh, who are notable uh, in Canada? So Hemsworthies, the, the Hemsworthies. What, yes. What would yes. you call a group of Hemsworths? A... I mean, in Australia, it's a berry. You know, you know, a the, huddle. The, the, the I don't know. Huddle? But yeah, I actually have the email in front of me. Yeah, and okay, one of the yeah. one of the the big ones was uh, the individual who composed the log driver's waltz. Yeah. So also known as Canada's third national anthem. It really is. It One really being is. O Canada, number two being the Maple Leaf Forever, and three, I swear, is the Log Driver's Waltz. You sing that at a party. If you're overseas, you 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 stand on your chair, conduct the orchestra with your your stein of beer. If there's a Canadian in the room, they will sing along. I've actually met friends by doing that when I lived overseas. See, on free, chair I would have it. thought it was Barrett's Privateers that would have uh, delivered that rousing. I actually that did happen. Oh my god, I was at the beer gardens in Sapporo and I just stood up in my chair and went, Oh, the year was 1768. And then at the other end of the Sapporo beer hall, I heard this tiny voice go, I wish I was in Sherbrooke. No, and I'm like, Okay, 
Come over, come over, sit with me. Absolutely. I made a friend Absolutely. that day. <laughs> well, I mean, it, that is definitely the trick. Let us know uh, if you were a Canadian in a bar overseas and you needed to find other Canadians, what go-to karaoke classic? Uh, is it mm-hmm. uh, Barrett's Privateers? Is it the Log Driver's Waltz? Uh, let us know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to apologize to the Hemsworths and the fans of mm-hmm. Hemsworths uh, for my ridiculous statement that all Hemsworths were Australian. Also works. That would, I feel like that might be a very general, like a, a more specific it's generation. Very generational. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. But it all has right. worked. I can tell you from that as well. But anyway. <laughs> so you picked up quite a few Canadian stories, but I'm going to start. Actually, let's start off with one of yours, because I think the Hanlon's Point story out of Toronto uh, is definitely an, an interesting discussion that's happening across the city. So tell yes. us more, Sebastian. So uh, Hanlon's Point, for those who are not familiar with Toronto, and actually even people who are familiar with Toronto and aren't familiar with Hanlon's Point, it is a uh, it is currently a nude beach uh, sort of on the edge of Toronto. Uh, well, not when I say the edge, it's actually near the Toronto Island, um, but it's sort of in this hooked over point where it's kind of hard to see if you're on the shore unless you really go around it, which makes it a pretty good location, grand scheme of things, for a nude beach. It has been a gathering spot for uh, the LGBT community, especially gay men, but not necessarily exclusively, uh, for almost 100 years. And the city of Toronto has been consulting about what they're going to do with the Toronto islands in the future. And one of the things they're talking about is converting Hanlon's point into a sort of a a fairground, a public space. They're still debating what it's going to look like. We don't know if it's going to be a fairground in the sense of like, uh, you know, bumper cars and whatnot, or if it's just going to be a large open space where you can do concerts and and have public gatherings. Uh, But there's a lot of concern in the queer community that they're just going to fully lose this this location, that this historic uh, uh, LGBT location within Toronto, this 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 gathering area that's been there for longer than anyone in this conversation has been alive, um, that it's just going to disappear. And it's really going back and forth. But there is this concern about, um, I mean, first of all, there's sort of a, a, an urban land shortage, sort of, but not quite. And they're they're willing to expand into underused areas. And they're looking at Hanlon's Point as being just that. And the the community has choice words to say. Well, this doesn't surprise me at all. I know that the city of Toronto has, in its longer term vision, uh, cleaning up the waterfront, really redesigning that entire waterfront place. I think it's supposed to be uh, one of the biggest uh, ecological projects uh, of the city's uh, undertaking. Um, really t- sort of massive civic in- engineering uh, on the waterfront. And the city of Toronto it has the problem where if it continues to sp- expand, it's already bumping into uh, every other neighboring city. So yep. it's looking at every square inch it has available at uh, how it can improve it. I don't know. I I feel like when the representation of queer community in Toronto is Church and Wellesley, where, of course, businesses, I imagine, are struggling to pay the kind of rents that you would play there. Everyone's you could, No one out. could ever live there. Everyone, yeah. It's been gentrified and priced out. Uh, it's very difficult to be gay in that particular or afford to be uh, a queer business in that particular area. And then you get to handle this point entirely free in, in many senses of the word. 
uh, as mm -hmm. it were. Um, you know, it doesn't cost a thing or, or even clothing. Um, I think as a venue to express queer identity, and it, it speaks to... There is an element in gay culture, specifically gay culture, that has a history always informed by a history of, you know, cottaging and cruising and, mm -hmm. um, you know, these these kinds of activities. And broadly speaking, the community's become sanitized over the last couple of decades. You know, it doesn't necessarily yeah. happen as much with Grindr and other things. It's easier to communicate other places to go that are less public. Mm -hmm. Um but I think Hanlon's point remains one of the very, 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 very few places uh, mm -hmm. where gay men can meet and uh, get a suntan mm -hmm. uh, on the beach. Yeah, I mean, from the perspective of the municipality of the greater metropolitan area, I could see them eyeballing it as useful land and just saying, OK, we're just going to pave over it or plant petunias or whatever, and then just put up a statue uh, of some I think they, famous they just... LGBT person from... Mm -hmm. No, I was just going to say, don't they, aren't they supposed to pave over paradise and then put up a parking lot? I think mm -hmm. that's like what goes, that's what goes there. They're actually, uh, in downtown Toronto, there is a building that has a museum where you have to pay a dollar to go in just to see a tree. Uh, based on... <laughs> A lyric from that song. It's more of an art piece. I've actually been there. The the person who's supposed to man the door so you don't get in without paying is never there. But there is there is a tree museum where you have to pay a dollar just to see them in downtown Toronto. Um, but yeah, that that general, uh, yeah, absolutely. But I can understand from the city that they they want to make it a space for the entire city of Toronto and not just for. The LGBT community, specifically gay and bisexual men, specifically nudists, specifically ones who are cruising. Um, you're yeah. really, really narrowing it down. And mm -hmm. the, the one of the, the tricky things is that about 120 years ago, because there is a long history of Hanlon's Point being used by gay and bisexual men, that basically would have been the countryside. That would have been far away from the city center. That would have been sort of a nice, quiet getaway. But now that we have mass transit and faster cars and a subway system and a pretty good streetcar system, getting out, uh, it, it's not the countryside anymore. Like the city grew around it and it's kind of been largely left alone. And part of me thinks maybe they should celebrate that it lasted as long as it did before people even yeah. talking about it. I want to. I want to um, approach this. I want to jump in here just a little bit. I, yeah. I, I'm inclined to agree that perhaps there is a better civic use of that land, one hundred percent. But did I ever tell you about the lady I bumped into at a at a conference, and she was looking into archiving, uh, um, uh, hookup and uh, sexually immature uh, graffiti in washrooms. Okay. Specifically, uh, uh, gay graffiti in washrooms. You know, if you want to see a big transaction, go to this business, you know, that kind of thing, but obviously less uh, metaphorical. So she was exhibiting this. And what she was talking about was how it is an effort at capturing the sort of more grimy uh, underbelly of queer expression, because mm -hmm. these washrooms all just get painted over 
and that snapshot into you know the the the, the quirky edge of queerness gets uh, literally cleaned away mm-hmm. and this met you know this the her study into that reminded me here of Hanlon's point because although I agree that maybe clearing it away to make room for a better civic use of the space are we just sweeping away all of that untidy unseemly uh, unwelcomed gay stuff out of the way for something more family friendly and how do we capture that queer history in a way that doesn't and they were roommates affy that particular uh-huh. history you know what i mean like how do we keep what is being an unsanitary you know piece of queer history unsanitary mm-hmm. in how we present it moving forward you know well okay I have an answer for that. It's pretty easy. So uh, uh, first we'll start with uh, what was Jeff Goldblum's famous quote from Jurassic Park? Life uh, will find a way. Life will find a way. Uh, And here's a little thing that I'll tell you because I happen to be a civic uh, uh, urban planning nerd. Uh, The city in the world with the least amount of park space is Istanbul with less than 1% of their total footprint being parkland. The most is, I think it's Oslo with like 70%. Like it is, it is high rises and parks. Um, But if Turkey can have public cruising spaces for its long history and and Istanbul is basically 3000 years old, you know, it's had cruising places. um, People will find something new. They'll find a new way. And and it is sad to see history get paved over like this. But on the other hand, there is nothing, nothing is true except for change. And, and it is kind of a pity that uh, a, a the slim portion of queer history that Canada has is, is being removed like this. Um, fact is like you kind of hinted at it earlier with, with modernity, with uh, first of all, with public acceptance, people don't have to cruise. You know, you don't have to on the sly go to a location and hope that nobody recognizes you. You can openly date. You don't need that lifestyle anymore. And if you do choose to have that kind of lifestyle, there is Grindr and you can use the Internet and you, there's all sorts of apps. And there are, you know, bars with with shady back rooms and bathhouses like there are alternatives. Um, and I think part of the major point here is preserving history. And I'm all for that. That I do get. But. I don't know. I think that the situation's kind of complicated and short of somebody buying the land and, and formally uh, keeping it in the community in perpetuity. I, I I don't know what they could do to stop this because like the city wants land. They, they just, they, the number of beautiful old buildings on young street that they tore down to replace with condos. I don't think they're going to care about a, a strip of beach. Yeah. I think on, on that joyful note, I don't think yeah. they care about a strip of be- uh, beach. Uh, let's jump to our first track of the day. Uh, uh, yet again, we aim to do all Canadian, uh, all uh, LGBT mm-hmm. identified, uh, so that we are highlighting queer artists. This is a favorite of ours, Sammy Volkov, uh, who is uh, sort of 60s pop and R&B, kind of very approachable. You called him, I, I think I keep saying Buddy Holly, Oh, something holiday. It's Buddy Holiday? Buddy Holly? I forget. Buddy Holly, yeah. Yeah, a modern gay Buddy Holly is who he (laughs) reminds us of. Anyway, this is In Spite of the Night by Sammy Volkov, and we will be back just after this. 
Hello and welcome back to Cancri, home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. Now, I want to start off with, with uh, the Canadian story that I found. And mm-hmm. it has caused some debate, I think between uh on the it's let me okay let me read you a tweet it all stems from a tweet so ev6000 was a contestant in season two of rupaul's drag race canada canada versus canada um they always have about five characters in them um (laughs) did quite well and then uh, anyway so this is a tweet from ev6000 and the tweet says Parents need to stop bringing their kids to drag shows that aren't explicitly intended for a child audience. Stop. You may not care, but your kid gets filmed and will be used to hurt our community. Evie then Mm -hmm. uh, tweets, a trans performer who probably saw the child and just wanted to make sure she had a good time by holding a hand and walking with her is now the target of conservative outrage. This blank is dangerous and potentially even life-threatening. Um, yeah, and it's there's a few other uh, uh, tweets about that, but it's it's caused a bit of a bit of a split in opinion. I don't think it's an even split, but there is definitely a split in the opinion. Uh, uh-huh. What's your initial take here, Sebastian? To children should not be full agreement. Yeah, if it's not a, if it's not in a library, if it's not in a public space, if it's in a dark, dingy bar, no. If it's in a library where all the everyone there, all the edits, uh, adults have been vetted for uh, working with. Uh, vulnerable people then absolutely take your kid there i a, a bar is not a place for a kid uh drag shows historically have been incredibly racy that's the point if they didn't offend you or offend your sensibilities then they weren't a good drag queen um things have been as you kind of said earlier sanitized quite a bit lately but i mean it, it's still meant to be a very deliberately offensive kind of a uh, an experience and that's been toned down quite a bit over the past 10 years um but still i do not think that a small child in a gay bar at a drag show i am all for saying please stop that 100 agreement yeah and as for the the bit about the it, sort of by proxy kind of like by association a portion of the tweet. I think it's more complicated, but I do understand where that's coming from. And I kind of do agree with it. Um, there was a, a famous drag show back in the summer uh, where there was um, there was nudity involved in the drag show. And on the back wall, there was a poster that said it's not going to lick itself. And there were clearly small children in the audience as well. And that got shared around social media as what are people doing? And it's tempting to say it was the sort of the critical right side of the aisle looking at that but there were also people in the the gay community saying like this looks bad on all of us why did you let this happen Mm -hmm. so it's very guilt by association guilt by proxy uh the easy way to do that is like if you denounce it then you're not really standing with them um and i do think it's kind of complicated because if you're not I, i don't think it reflects on all gay people everywhere or all lgbt people everywhere but i understand the sentiment that it could I think there's an interesting take in some of these tweets. Someone was saying, uh, how about we trust in the decision-making of the parent that decided to take the child there? Like, is the parent not capable of making 
informed decisions for themselves and their own children. So that's a really hot take. But I think one of the ones that jumps out to me is, are we self-policing? And does this reinforce that notion that queerness and drag is inherently dangerous? So we are ourselves keeping out kids and they're reinforcing this this you know interpretation like are it's we digging our it, own grave it's not about it being dangerous it's a it's about it being adult and we don't need self-policing there are liquor laws in place saying that minors are not allowed in certain kinds of establishments like a minor can go into a bar that is also a restaurant you can take your kid into kelsey's you can take your kid into a a, a taco joint that also has a sitting bar for if you're waiting for a table that's completely and totally legal because there's food involved a nine-year-old's not allowed into a nightclub, and that's just normal liquor law. And I am pretty sure they did not have a carvery at at these drag shows. Like I'm pretty sure you could not get up and go over and get yourself, you know, a uh, you know, a couple scoopfuls of a uh, of a shepherd's pie while you were watching the the drag show. Like this, this is this is a nightclub environment. This is not a family restaurant but, that happens but to not have a bar. necessarily. I mean, what about uh, performances at the Glade bookstore? You know, it's Fair licensed. Enough. They can sell alcohol. It is a queer space. Um, do you say, oh, there's someone in drag, no kids allowed? <sighs> if I had a bookstore and we had a drag act, I would ask, I would say to the, the the performer, like, by the way, we have floor to ceiling windows displaying our products in the front. Uh, don't do anything that could get me in trouble with the law or with Twitter. Like, keep yeah. your clothes on. Or, or, And I think that that's part of this discussion as well. Like, if yeah. drag is taking place and there is a child there, there were surely enough adults involved in that process to believe that either the performances are going to be appropriate or that, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of people need to have made some wrong decisions yeah, yeah. for that to for that to take place. I think it's, I mean, it's interesting. People are very people are all over the place in terms of how how to approach this. I'm sure there was a ton of adults in the room when they were deciding whether or not they're going to burn people alive for being werewolves in the 16th century. Like, you don't being adult in the room doesn't mean you're paying attention and thinking clearly. I think yeah. there was just sort of a failure along the way for people. To, well, first of all, I mean, some of these bars, I'm surprised they're not being shut down by liquor licensing um, or that the bars haven't gotten around the loophole by just, you know, putting up a serve yourself breakfast all day breakfast station, which is what they do in some strip clubs, um, which they actually made a scene out of in uh, Parks and Recreation. It's hilarious. But anyway, um, it's the whole thing. There, there's there's. There's illegal stuff happening here, and it it it's not even about the drag queens. It's about children being in a nightclub environment. I don't think I don't think that's appropriate. And if you are a drag queen who has a racy act, then you should absolutely consider what the venue is before you bring out your heaviest material. Let's say, you know, if you're doing drag in the park because it's pride and you're up on stage and you've got the community watching you, there's certain things you can't do anyway because you're now in a public space. I think I, it's just an issue of, you know, just. I think yeah. Read we're going to circle. We're going to circle back to the the tweet, and EV six thousand says parents need to stop bringing their kids to drag shows that aren't explicitly mm -hmm. intended for a child audience. So 
Yeah. I think this is also putting the onus on the parent. It's like, look, if yeah. we are at the Glad Day bookstore and it's an all-dangers event, then obviously the performances yeah. are going to reflect that. You yes. know what I mean? Like people are quite capable of adjusting to an all all ages audience. Yeah. You know, I don't think drag as as a whole should be so, you know, I'm sure somebody dressed up as Belle from Beauty and the Beast is not going to be a, a racy performance. I mean, there is a know? famous drag queen from here in Ottawa who pointed out the interesting relationship between drag and clowning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think there's definitely going to be occasions when children and drag queens will be the height of entertainment, like pantomime. Yeah. But definitely not. It and I think what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. But Evie's putting the onus here on parents to to unless it says yes, it always says no in terms yeah. of taking children to drag shows. And I'm 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 swayed towards agreeing. Yes. <laughs> that that's your assessment. I'm swayed towards agreeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's I what have I a five minute rant, and you say, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have. I, I'm not saying I'm easily swayed, uh, but I I have been brought round on this one. Well, if you disagree, let us know. Uh, talk at no, no. At talk queer, not talk at uh, at uh, at talk queer. I'll get there in the end. We are jumping now to our. Actually, let's do another story before I forget about it. Uh, this was out of Montreal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Or... What's happening in La Belle Provence? In La Belle Provence. So, yeah, uh, this is happening in Montreal. So th this has been an ongoing thing for about a decade. And it's one of those frog in a boiling pot of water. We haven't really talked about this because it, it's eased in so gradually that at no point it has been newsworthy until now. So as it happens, uh, there has been a homeless encampment uh, in the heart of the gay village in Montreal for years now. And what's been happening is, uh, especially over COVID, when they were trying to concentrate a lot of the services, a lot of the homeless in Montreal have slowly navigated towards this one space. The majority of the homeless in Montreal are in the sort of Roxham Road. Oh, no, no, Roxham is where they, they were sort of displaced from. Sorry, that they're, they're in the, the sort of St. Catherine region in this one particular square nearby. Uh, near the the Berry Ucam station, if you if you know Montreal well, and what's been happening is a lot of people feel incredibly unsafe in the village. And to be clear, this includes other homeless people, uh, but that's where a lot of the services have been moved to. And a lot of the LGBT businesses have been closing, and a lot of the gay residents have been moving away. So the the gay village has been losing its flavor as being sort of the queer hub of Montreal, and because there's not a lot of gay villages in Quebec in general, it's kind of the queer hub of the entire province in a way. So for a whole bunch of reasons, not just to preserve, you know, the 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 sort of um, the business association of St. Catherine and not just the gay residents and not just the sort of LGBT community, but also for the sake of the homeless themselves. Uh, the Montreal mayor, um, Mayor Plant, has actually been no relation. Working no relation. Actually, probably relation. <laughs> Actually, I think there is a relation. Um, is um, uh, Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, right. She's asking on the province to help to try to get as many uh, mental health care workers and long-term care workers in to try to get as many people off the streets as possible. And for those where that's less possible to at least get in the long-term health care workers so that in a year or two, 
it might be possible to get some of these people into more permanent facilities, either a permanent residence or actually get them off the streets altogether, get them into employment programs. Homelessness is complicated, obviously. There's, there is a lot of um, mental health issues surrounding this, and I've actually passed through the St. Catherine um, homeless encampment, encampment totally by accident once because I had no idea where I was going. And it, it actually it was clear that there was a lot of uh, mental health and substance abuse issues in that community. And it was more than just, just give them housing. This is a very complicated situation. So they are starting to look at long-term solutions, not to just displace the homeless, but to just make the homeless not homeless, uh, partly for the sake of the community. But there is this emphasis on helping the homeless themselves, but the, the community itself, like a lot of this has come out of, the LGBT community of Montreal basically begging for help because that part of town has become incredibly unsafe. So there is, yeah. uh, it, so far it looks like um, the province, they haven't promised anything yet, but they've definitely said that they are going to send help. Uh, what that means, you know how politics works. They could send them a box of donuts for all we know, but they're definitely going to do something. Yeah, I think what it, uh, what this speaks to me a lot of is, you know, there's, there's just so much going on in this in this particular story. It yeah. reminds me of when we looked into the Canadian census and they issued mm -hmm. a special report on the queer community across Canada. And most queer folks live in Ontario and most of them in the GTA. Yeah. The next biggest village, as it were, is Montreal. You know, that's the second lar largest concentration of really? queer folks in Canada, absolutely, and then Vancouver? it's Vancouver. I think it's Montreal, then Vancouver. Okay. So Rue Saint Catherine, uh, okay. um, will you know has a key cultural role for queer folks in Canada, um, just mm -hmm. as Davy Street does out in Vancouver and Church and Wellesley, uh, the village in Toronto. Now, mm -hmm. I think watching human suffering. And seeing that sap away at the energy of services in the area and um, the ability to live and thrive in the area of businesses in the area, like that must have been a tough pill for that community to be watching over the past uh, three years, this this consistent influx uh, and the, the, the ripple mm. effects of that. You know, it's it's certainly... Uh, you know, you're right. It's how do you measure against displacing people who desperately need help yeah. um, and avoid having these desperate people doing sometimes desperate things concentrated all in one area, mm -hmm. uh, regardless of where that area is. You know, I think it's going to be it's going to be tricky. Although I do say that I do think that uh, the plan to move people into hospitals or shelters or more stable housing um, or not. Uh, for me, that sounds like they're setting up for a for a nice big sweep uh, to clear them all out at once. Like that's that's the, the what I'm reading in the tea leaves. If, if being cleared out means having a better life, and and obviously this is me making a very strong assumption that they are going to do exactly what they say they're going to do, which is help people get off the streets, then I'm all for it. But you're absolutely right. Sometimes this is coded language for stick them on a bus and drop them off in another city. Mm -hmm. Hopefully well, it we, doesn't turn out that way. Yeah, hopefully we'll see some actual, uh, actual help 
uh, occurring. Okay, we are playing now Take the Long Way Home by Monks on Call, and we will be back just after this. I'm gonna start off. Oh, hello and welcome back. This is Can Creator, home of Canada's Creator Media. My name is Luke Smith. I am going to My start off. Sebastian, etc. I am going to start off this next segment uh, three times apparently. But what I'm going to kick it off with is what is if it if this man needs to sell the rights to his story as a rom com. 
okay because i think okay. it has hilarity and humor in every ounce of it mm-hmm. a straight british building surveyor so a, a rather mm-hmm. burly man you know building surveyor man, construction man, yeah. straight Presumably. blue collar yes uh, I imagine him mm. with a thick regional accent is uh, is what I'm thinking. I don't know why I've gone Welsh, but he could be Cornish. doesn't really matter. Um, anyway, George Rogers uh, has lived in Sydney for the last few years, and he was uh, flying back to Australia after visiting South America. Now, he was getting to Australia via LAX, and he pulls up to the gate of a Cantus uh, um, flight to uh, Sydney from L.A., and discovers that absolutely everybody, everybody in that uh, waiting lounge are very, very, to quote him, very, very colorful people and outfits, I think is how we described. Mm-hmm. Oh, and flags, colorful people and flags is how uh, how he, he said it. He told uh, News.com so Australia. Yeah, he That's said I had absolutely no idea it was a world pride flight it dawned on me when i checked in and i saw a lot of colorful people and pride flags uh yeah so for those who don't know what the world pride flight is uh countess airlines uh who was the airline sponsor for world pride in sydney uh in a very theatrical fashion flies a whole bunch of people who have purposely booked the same very gay flight uh, from LAX to uh-huh. Sydney. Uh, there were drag queen performance. There was drag bingo on the flight to on the flight, right? Yeah, in mid-flight, okay. there were drag performances from drag queens from Qantas Airlines. Uh, so yeah, it was a whole. And they someone did a makeup tutorial at twenty thousand feet. It's just, it was a whole thing. It was a very very gay play- thing anything near my eyes if there's a risk of turbulence well that's a very good point i don't know how you apply <laughs> an even blush in turbulence but the, the point is that this wasn't just a little bit gay it was it was farting rainbows from top gay check-in yeah absolutely Too gay for most gays even just like pure yeah. gay distilled gay okay so still speaking in australia the prime minister of australia anthony albanese uh, has made a history as uh, at being the first prime minister to attend the Mardi Gras. Now, mm-hmm. for Canadian listeners, uh, Justin Trudeau uh, was the first Canadian prime minister to march in Mardi Gras uh, a little while ago. Um, so, yeah, very, very big news uh, as part of World Pride Sydney. Now, Although you did just do a little, little flub there. Uh, in Canada, we call it Pride. Actually, they still call it Pride in Australia. It's just oh, that yeah, sorry. Pride I, I kept mentioning is World on Mardi Pride. Gras weekend. Yeah. So Mardi Gras is Pride mm-hmm. uh, in Sydney. Yeah. Yes. I hope they have a pancake stand. Why don't we have a pancake stand at our Pride? Why, why do you think they have pancake stands? Because it's Mardi Gras, Fat, fat Tuesday. Pancake day. Oh, I see. We should totally okay. have pancakes at Pride. Interesting story out of Kenya. Um, we uh-huh. do keep an eye on the rest of the world. Uh, the Kenyan Supreme Court has ruled in favor of the National Gay and Lesbian Human Rights Commission of Kenya to legally incorporate um, as a non-governmental organization. Now, they had initially existed. 
Um, mm-hmm. They were then told that they couldn't be incorporated because they had the word gay and the word lesbian in their name. Uh, and mm-hmm. it is currently criminalized in uh, being homosexual acts are criminalized in Kenya under their rules. In 2015, the high court said that saying you can't incorporate just because you have the word gay is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. The government appealed it. Uh, the Court of Appeal in 2019 also ruled that just because you have the word gay doesn't mean you can't incorporate. Uh, the right. government appealed that ruling. And now the Supreme Court of Kenya has uh, issued a final judgment on this, uh, that it is, in fact, unconstitutional to ban okay. this organization from incorporating just because it has the word gay. Now, this will be really interesting to see how the Kenyan government reacts to this. Uh, They would have to change legislation at this point uh, to prevent them from becoming. And then that legislation may well itself also be challenged. Um, But in the meantime, the ruling for NGL HRC uh, has been quite clear that they can incorporate as a non-governmental organization. And we expect that they will do so and then work to advocate for uh, LGBT rights in Kenya from there. I know the East African region also has a complicated I mean I was I'm broadly saying that because like Tanzania and Mozambique also have a complicated relationship with this but they they uh, NGOs in general have a rocky past there's been a lot of mm. obviously corrupt NGOs so I know they 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 have their laser pointers on any NGO that pops up in the region just because of a really complicated ish history of weird things happening in the region unfortunately I think you had some good news out of South Korea Oh, I, I yes. Um, yeah, so, another judicial news story. So uh, South Korean High Court. And we yes. often sit and find our news from from legal cases more than anything else, <laughs> or medical cases, which is also mm-hmm. in the mix. Um, so same sex marriage is not legal in South Korea, but there are, uh, you, they they don't have same sex marriage or civil partnerships, but you can acknowledge a same sex partner as like a dependent or as you know they can they can inherit your land if you die like you can put them in your will so they're kind of on the way to to same-sex partnerships but not quite um but the the recently ruled that if you have partner benefits as a south korean citizen they can extend to your same-sex partner as of now so this is they're edging closer day by day to same-sex uh, at least civil partnerships, if not marriage, in South Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have been keeping an eye on the Anglican Church and yes. the the continued... Uh, we, we've talked about the potential of a new schism, and it's been a lot of... I think it's only really us that's been talking about it. But <laughs> essentially, Archbishop of Canterbury, the, the leader among equals of the primates of the Anglican Church, mm-hmm. uh, he went recently with the Catholic Pope, and mm-hmm. the Archbishop of Scotland to the South Sudan and a couple of other places in Africa on a mission of bringing peace in particular to the South Sudan uh, and among other things. All three of them on multiple occasions reiterated that it is unjust and I think the Pope even said a sin to criminalize homosexuality. Now, There are a sprinkling of countries, we've just mentioned Kenya, uh, in the area that have uh, anti-LGBT laws. Needless to say, the Anglican church leaders in, uh, in that particular part of the world apparently didn't take that kindly 
to this criminalizing homosexuality is not even just not good it is an actual sin so this has become a bit of a hot topic um it looks like there is uh, a a group of about 42 anglican churches uh sorry the, the synod is 42 but 10 of those anglican church archbishops uh have now um rebelled against this particular decision now you looked into this story as well what else did you find the only thing i can think is that the irony is the anglican church formed in the first place to rebel against the pope and now there's another group that's forming to rebel against the archbishop of the church that rebelled against the pope (laughs) while the pope was in the room at the same time (laughs) (laughs) i mean there's one for the history books i mean i think it's interesting it looks like it is the archbishops of the congo of uganda of sudan Mm -hmm. uh, of alexandria melanesia uh the indian ocean apparently the whole indian ocean has its own archbishop uh the archbishop also of chile bangladesh and myanmar or burma if you're british if they Um, turned their back on the church of england and formed some kind of like church of africa uh I wish they did it under better reasons, but this is kind of a good post-colonial move of trying to find their own path forward and incorporating sort of the, you know, African tradition or or their own ways of approaching Christianity and forming their own branch. Uh, I just wish it was under better circumstances and under different reasons. You know, a post-colonial the... approach of being like, let let's let's make an African church. I think that would be very positive. But to be fair, Christianity has been in Africa for longer than it's been in Europe. So uh, the Horn of Africa, the old Abyssinian Empire, it's been Christian for a very long time. Christians, uh, Christian Coptics in Egypt. Um, definitely Egypt. I mean, it's kind of an obvious one. Uh, but yeah, for, for them to say, like, maybe the Anglican, uh, the English flavor of Christianity is not for us anymore. Um, again, I wish they did it under better auspices, but maybe it's about time. Maybe it's about time this happened, you know? I think if there was a schism of the Anglican churches, um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens to, for example, the Anglican Church of Canada, uh, and where that might fall and how they would, uh, all coexist. Um, There is another story that I wanted to discuss briefly, and it is a rather somber story. We have been following the news um, for quite a while, and Kiev Pride and Kharkiv Pride, um, which normally, when your country is not being actively invaded by Russia, uh, your only job that day is to arrange a once a year Pride Festival. Um, but Kiev Pride and Kharkiv Pride have been working as a shelter for Ukrainians fleeing uh, the war front of the Russian invasion. Uh, they've been working to smuggle people out of Russia and the path of Russia um, into the rest of uh, into friendlier countries. Um, yeah, they've become a, a major service provider to to an, an incredibly at risk population. Um, as a result of this this war. I bring it up to say because there has been a recent report in the uh let me let me get the right the right name for it, but there was um there was a report by the LGBT Human Rights National Center uh, on the specific 
um, reported cases of uh, abuse. I'm not going to go into the detail of the abuse uh, by Russian soldiers of Ukrainians in the territories that the Russians have now occupied in Ukraine. Um, but most notably of all is um, the sense that the Russians are operating off lists. Now, the Wall Street Journal released uh, way back, um, I think it was in February of 2022, a letter from the United States to the commissioner of the UN um, saying that Russia had planned to hunt down LGBT advocates um, in occupied territories in in uh, the Ukraine um, and was essentially ringing the alarm bells on what, what could be uh, war crimes. Um, most recently, it has emerged that there are people fleeing from these areas uh, who are alleging exactly that. And it's not two or three. I think there's about 112 cases that have been brought together in this report uh, under the one year of Russian occupation. Um, it's incredibly grim. And uh, it's definitely another reminder to LGBT folks that being queer in Russia is not a good place to be. Um, being queer in the path of Russia is perhaps an even more dangerous mm -hmm. spot to be as well. So we'll keep an eye out. Anyone interested in supporting the work of Kiev Pride and Kharkiv Pride mm -hmm. can go to Given Gain, G-I-V-E-N-G-A-I-N, uh, the European Pride Organizers Association have a direct fundraiser set up for both of those pride organizations. Uh, they're helping to get folks out of the path of the war. So definitely, definitely a lot going on there. Okay, well, we have reached the end of the show. Uh, we are just about to finish up. This is Every Girl by Altered by Mom. The band is Altered by Mom. No, the, the band is called Altered by Mom. Uh, the song is called Every Girl. I've been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. 